Hey everybody, I think we're live. Uh, <clears throat> it is uh, Thursday here where I am. Or something. I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to be alone tonight, don't worry. Uh, we are waiting for our esteemed guest host, Mr. Barry Kirby, of the 1202 Podcast. 1202 The Human Factors Podcast. The other Human Factors Podcast. Uh, hope you all are having a wonderful evening. Um, and if you are joining us live on any of our platforms, including LinkedIn now, we are doing a professional thing over there or whatnot. Uh, so thank you for joining us on any one of these platforms. Um, I am still testing to see whether or not we are in fact live. I'm getting the notifications, so if you are here live watching with me, give let me know. Give me a little, uh, a little. How do you do in the chat while I figure this out? Thankfully, I am no stranger to talking to myself. I can fill a little time while we wait for Barry to hop in. Uh, let's see here. All right, so uh, yeah, hi. It's uh, it's Thursday evening, like I said for me. Um, I was on travel earlier this week, so office hours were a little. Uh, <laughs> they were canceled. <laughs> it's the first time I traveled during the pandemic. Maybe I'll save this for for talking with Barry. Um, but uh, it was the first time I traveled during the the post COVID. First time post COVID. It was an interesting experience. Um, thankfully, I had uh, I had a, uh, a seat all to myself on one of my flights. Oh, hang on, everybody. Barry's, Barry's uh, typing here. Uh. <laughs> oh, oh, that's why. Okay, there was some miscommunication with the time zones. They, uh, let's see here. Just lost daylight savings time. Okay. He'll be here in five. Anyway, we'll, we'll see Barry in five minutes. I figured it was something like that. Um, yeah, if you're watching, say hello. Uh, thank you for watching. Really appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, tonight, our story is going to be on whether or not remote working can foster innovation. And uh, I didn't do a social thoughts today, but if you are watching, I'd like to know what you think in your own words, innovation is, and whether or not you've had success being innovative uh, in a remote environment. I would love to know whether or not that has been successful for you. Uh, let us know, and I'll read some on the show, um, and that'll be that'll be fun. That'll be a nice uh, uh, replacement for social thoughts. <laughs> see what else has happened another news uh halloween was last week hope you all had a good halloween uh i dressed up as an energy vampire not sure if any of you are familiar with the show what we do in the shadows um but it's a it's a little mockumentary on vampire culture um vampires all living together and there's a type of vampire called an energy vampire and it's it's one of those people that can just drone on Kind of like I'm doing now. 
the reason I picked it. And uh, they, they drain your energy. They don't drink blood. They drain your energy. And uh, that's how they that's how they thrive. <laughs> so there's one on the show. Highly recommend going and watching that show, at least if just not the first couple episodes. There's a, there's a movie that it's kind of based off that world. Different set of characters. Anyway, it's all good. You should go watch it. There's three seasons out now. Uh, so yeah, I did. I did an energy vampire. My wife did a character from that show, um, Nadja, if you're familiar. And then uh, my son was just a generic vampire, Dracula. It's not generic. So we were a vampire family, and uh, it was a good time. We um, we found a neighborhood that is uh, was pretty active and had some uh, had some houses that were not dressed up, and it's always fun finding those houses that are not dressed up but they overcompensate by buying the big full-size candy bars so we found some of those it was a good time uh looks like there's there's a couple people watching now thank you again for for joining us um on any of our platforms this is the pre-show the the show proper will start here about 25 minutes i'm waiting now for barry kirby uh, who is the host over at 1202, the Human Factors podcast. He will be my co-host tonight. Uh, we will be talking about uh, this the story, remote working and innovation. Um, we're just waiting for him to join up. We had some issues with time zones, and so uh, it's, it's 4 p.m. for me, and it looks like it is... Uh, what time is it over there, anyway? He says they just lost DST, so... Ah, yes, right now it's 11 p.m. his time, so he's a whole... <laughs> so I threw this on him a whole hour early. Yeah, uh, I think we'll be... Um, I think we'll be caught up on Saturday is when we roll back. There he is. Hang on. Let me... Let me I'll give him a second. I think he just joined us, so... Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Mimi. My grandma's watching. Uh, hang on here. Let me get Barry in here. Oh, there he is. Okay. Barry, hello. Good, ev good evening. <laughs> hello. <laughs> you would have thought daylight savings time. Um, yeah. Would be so much of an issue. <laughs> I was quite happily sat there going, I've got an hour or so. It's fine. What could possibly go wrong? And then you go, we, we, we're starting now. We're you coming any time. Oh, <laughs> I'm at the other end of the garden. Um, I, I, figured it, I figured it was something like that. <laughs> um, we we actually roll back, I guess. You know, something I didn't even think about. I should have. Uh, we we roll back what on Saturday, Saturday night. So so we're <laughs> we'll we'll be synced up next week, I think. Okay, that's fair enough. That's good. It was uh, it was something I just didn't even think about. I was like, yeah, I'm just doing the notes. It's all fine. It's nicely chilled, and well, it just sort of actually just sums the sort of week I've had actually because it's been kind of crazy. So yeah. So yeah. last we talked uh, was was two weeks ago, and it was yes. Since then, you have had um, a uh, a Halloween party. We have. And Wait, that that's was... your one more thing. I don't want to. I want to spoil it. Sorry, that's your one more. No, thing. no, no. no. It, but it was it was just so nice. It was uh, it was it was quite cool. We had we had people around. You know them things like different people who actually turn up to things in person, and you can like say hello to them and and not worry too. Not well. We so you obviously still have a bit of concern, but it was a. Uh, Still quite a nice thing to do. 
Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> I was actually mentioning before you um, you came in. Oh shoot, run in. <laughs> I think I might be frozen. We'll see. Uh, I, I might have to do some resetting here. Um, I was mentioning before you showed up that uh, in in the last week I've been traveling, and it's the first time I traveled uh, since since post COVID. And how, how um, do you feel about that? It was uncomfortable. I, I mean, like, look, I have I have a two year old son, um, and so you know, any situation where I'm putting myself out there, potentially risking myself, is is a little uh, uncomfortable for me. Uh, yeah, how, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the, everyone followed the procedures, didn't have any Karens on my flight, anything like that. So you know, it's it's fine, but. Hang on, I'm gonna reset my camera here. Why don't you Why don't you tell a little fun anecdote about uh, <laughs> about about the Halloween party or something? <laughs> yeah, no, no. The the whole bit about um, of traveling is is interesting because I've now done a couple of trips, and and certainly the first one I went on was very much of the um, quite concerning of having to wear your face mask everywhere and and just that uncertainty because around. The whole um, the whole lockdown. The only people you saw were people who you kind of implicitly trusted, and and that was quite. You, you sort of forget just how sort of a, a safe thing that thing that is is to be. And then when you start uh, broadening your horizons and going engaging with other people, so I've now done a, a few different trips, a couple of day trips and a couple of overnighters. But I guess in the here in the UK we tend to drive everywhere or um, on, on trains or whatever, whereas I guess in the it, over in the over there, you tend you tend to use planes a lot more. So, which is something that actually we were talking about today um, around the the whole climate change and how you uh, how, what sort of behaviour change you expect to see around climate change, which is really interesting. So, it, it, and how and how basically that is affected with culture. So, that's something that's been very much high on our um, on our radar at the moment with COP twenty six and everything going around and um, yeah. seeing different people's attitudes to. To what they're doing about you know we're highlighting about all these um all these politicians who are flying in and then going to tell us all not to travel very much and and things like that it's all been i think it's been quite an interesting week for for that type of thing uh, particularly there's a lot of people who are um not liking um jeff bezos at the moment because you know he's he spent uh, an awful lot of money um putting people into space and doing all that and jetting around everywhere and then telling us not to uh, not to do very much so, yeah, I mean, and to think, our article today is about innovation remotely. They could have done the whole thing from at home. <laughs> or, or could they? <laughs> or um, could they? We'll talk then, about it. And uh, But actually, I mean, this is one thing that we've been doing an awful lot of, because, as you know, we've been looking at climate stuff a lot, is you sort of saying, well, this COP26 is great, and it's got, you know, it's been, um, been a massive focus um, for us, certainly for about six months now. Um, to sort of say, you know, COP26, it's the focus, it's going to be the big thing about what we're doing. And then it, somebody said, um, so about a week a week uh, before COP26, we sort of said, well, yeah, until COP27. And it, it's absolutely right. It's sort of like, you've had COP26, COP25, 24, 23, 23. And every single one of them has been a game-changing moment in our, in, our, in our climate thing. And actually, it will be until COP27, and then COP28, then COP29. Um, Less talk, more action. We need to do things. Oh, yeah, do things. Anyway. Spe- speaking of doing that. things, <laughs> this isn't my one more thing or anything, but I had uh, here in the States, it was an election It was election day on Tuesday. Uh, and I voted in uh, some, some of my local elections. Um, and 
It's amazing how slow <laughs> they've been. There's so there's seventy thousand ballots counted, and there's forty one thousand ballots left to count. So you know we're just over halfway. Ah, wow, we're, we're, we're two thirds of the way. But I mean, you like have, um, electronic, digitally voting stuff. Oh, man. or is it all I, still pe- still paper paper ballots? It's it's all mixed. Um, uh, there's some of each. I'll say that. Okay. Like, you know, there's uh, here here in Washington State. It's actually it's really nice. They they do everybody votes by mail by default. Like it's mm-hmm. just a thing. They okay. send out your ballot. It's great. Um, and uh, basically, you just drop it off at a box whenever you're done. And it's great because you have all the time in the world to research. You don't have to like remember who you're voting for when you get up to the machine. They have that too. You can wait on election day and do that. Um, okay. But yeah. you know, and every state is different here too which is problematic for a lot of reasons but <laughs> anyway that's skirting too much politics i think for, yes. for this type of show <laughs> anyway well, I, I i bring that up because um we, we brought up cop and then uh now i'm i i'm expecting a vote count dump at 4 p.m it is now 4 13 p.m and there's no vote count dump i just want to yeah. see Maybe there's a controversy. If some of the wackos got elected or not, you know? Well, there has been a bit of that, hasn't there? There's um, certainly some elections that seem to have declared already there's been there's been elements of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, certainly. I think I think you're, all, you're, you're in very interesting times. Yeah, that's um. one word for it. <laughs> hey, let's pull some it came from because uh, we need a couple of those. Yeah, I we... pulled one. Oh, this well, one then. made me mad. And I think somebody replied with a question mark in there. I don't know. Okay. I've been very lax in my uh, reviewing of It Came From this week. That's okay. Um, so, so uh, yeah, same here. Um, like I said, it's been a week of travel here. So uh, I have this one. What do you think are some of the most important questions when hiring a UX designer and or researcher? Um, the part that made me mad is they've called designers and researchers prima donnas. Prima donnas. Uh, and I have feelings and thoughts about that so we'll get to that one i, I want to talk about that one for sure yeah. um i i'm curious you know what why don't you you want to start from the bottom and i'll start from where we talked about last time and we'll meet in the middle are you at the bottom of the show notes or the bottom of the the list in the bottom of the it came from list so yeah, you'd be okay. you'd be like stuff from today back i'd be stuff yeah, from you. october 23 and good chance yeah. Okay, I can do that. So. All right. Let, let me know when you got one here, and I will do the same. Yes, that's a good idea. So, is the... Oh, here's one that I like. The program between engineering design and human practice engineering. Which is something that's right on my list. We've definitely talked about that on the show before. Is that from the human factor subreddit? Because I tend to favor those. Yeah, it is, yeah. Let's let me take a look. What, what when was it posted here? It literally, that's today. If I it's the oh, it's right the last one. one. Oh yeah, here. Uh, engineering. Okay, common issue. Oh yeah, let's take that one. That one's that one's great. Yeah. Uh, here, I'll go ahead and post that in. Um, drop you done with a lean startup. No, thank you. Oh, there's your prima donna one. Yeah, I was, I was just about to get a that one. Yeah. 
I mean, God forbid anybody have pride in the world. Animal centered design. Ooh. Oh, I like what, that one. What is centered design? What? So, um, so there's some free workshops at the, um, the International Conference for Animal Computer Interaction. And so it's there just in case anybody's interested in animal centered design. Sir, this is human factors? Well, this is true, but <laughs> being factors, live thing factors. Okay, look, if it was animal right. factors, fine. But yeah, it's, it's not it's, it's not actually a question anyway. It, it's just highlighting it. But I, that's, I think that's quite interesting. In fact, I did talk about this a long time ago with a, with a police force when we were looking at, they were looking at using horses um, a lot more. And um, and some of the issues aligned with that, and I assumed that I was going to have, have a chat about, you know, how could the, how would the riders be able to use their kit and and all that sort of stuff whilst mounting on a horse because they wanted to use them in a slightly different way, and um, they're like, no, 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 we we want to know about how to make the horses more comfortable and their comfort and their, and I was like, I right. that's outside of my training, um, but it was interesting though. How do you feel about this one? I wouldn't have much to contribute. Questions for human factors managers. I mean, I, I could do the manager part, but like specifically medical devices. Um, yeah. uh, what, what are teams like? What do you like? Yeah, I, most can do the, I can do the managers bit again, not the medical devices. Yeah, bit. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's day in the life. We could still talk about it in the abstract though. Yeah, we could. What, what about the? I mean, there's there's a more broad question. Day, in, what is your day in the life? Um, what what does your day look like from start to finish? Yeah, that, that's quite that's quite a good one. Um, yeah, it is. Except I need except my I it depends button. Where's my it yeah, depends button? Because I need to slam that thing. I've um, but but yeah, that, I think that's one. quite. That, I think we do that one because of literally because of that. Because I don't have two days that are spent. Yeah, exactly. Um, All right, yeah. we'll do that. So we have two from the Human Factor subreddit and one from User Experience. I'm good with it. Uh, I think we're okay on... Uh, yeah, that was really easy this week. I think we're okay on um, topics maybe, here. Maybe we do need to just like sort of keep me on the ball and just hang um, me right the last minute by saying by, uh, you're late where you're going because then we, we're really effective. <laughs> we need to be. <laughs> Start in 10 minutes. <laughs> Give me one second. I just realized I need to put a radiator on. It's cold in here. Give me one second. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see here. So we'll do this one as well. Let's see. There we go. That's I think uh, I think we may have missed some It Came Froms this week. And I will tell you why. I use automation to post these mm -hmm. and I use Zapier and we ran out of zaps <laughs> we, there's a hundred zaps that you get in a month so there have been 100 hot articles over the last month that have been populated into discord wow um, which Did you know? yeah I mean like if you think about it we've answered what like how many did we we tackled what nine last month? Yeah, must have. Well, yeah, must yeah. Have. nine. So, um, 
nine out of a hundred. So ten percent. Yeah. Maybe we need to um Is there any way you can you can tweak it? Um Oh it's fine, the month reset. So we're Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Um So I, I you know, it's I feel like we're right on track for that. We're not sourcing anymore, so it's not gonna be like I think it was just an abnormally busy month in in terms of Reddit, but yeah, 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 lots of stuff yeah. coming up. Yeah, I, I still haven't really got into using Reddit. Um, I think I need to more. It's uh, great for like so. Like I have a, I follow a couple subreddits. Uh, obviously, the user experience one. I follow the human factors one. I'm on some smaller ones that are. Once again, focused on politics and strategy. Uh, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I follow other ones that are... There's, like, the top, the front page, right, that, that gets you the popular stuff. But that's kind of, like, if you if you keep up with Twitter, it's kind of Twitter delayed, you know? Yeah, okay. It's, like, whatever's trending will hit all <laughs> a couple hours later, from my experience. Uh, and so I don't really look at that one as much anymore. I mean, it's fine if you're looking at like a if you're like been busy all day and you want to know what was the news of the day. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I mean, there's like you know mixed in with videos of dogs and whatever, and it's fine. Some some palate cleansers, but then there's also like, hey, this person is a terrible person, so it's it's a mix <laughs> mixed bag. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> you know, there's like there's also other communities too. Like there's a community for my city here. Okay, um, and so that's nice because then I see like, hey, this this restaurant is closed. Why? Oh, well, Americans don't pay their workers enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm really skirting the politics tonight, aren't I? I was gonna say it's uh, it's it, we we kind of we kind of getting there. It's uh, so anyway. I mean, like you know, th- th- I mean, there's other things in there like, hey, this road's closed because there's a bunch of police officers on it or whatever, you know stuff that's oh, useful we, actually we, we've got that at the moment we've got lots of protesters around um again round round back by the climate stuff and they're um they're super gluing their hands to the road oh and i can't help feeling again from a human factors perspective there's some issues around that because if you're holding the the, the glue right where do you put the so if you you can only put the glue onto one hand because because you know you've only got two hands and then therefore do you rub your hands together to get the glue of the both of them and then put them on the road or do you think put them on the road? And there's just a whole lot of usability issues that I think that, uh, that they haven't considered properly. I think it's a pyramid scheme. You you just always need an additional person to glue the other hand. Yes. And uh, you know once once that's taken care of, then um, then you have an endless supply of people to attach hands to roads. That's true. The um, though the irony was the fact the most amusing part of it day was there was. Um, what they, they call themselves um, Insulate Britain. And so the idea is that they're trying to promote everybody to insulate the houses, which is a good shout. But they um, they blocked a road where a number of um, in wagons carrying insulation to houses, they couldn't get through because of the insulation protest, which I thought was um, um, rather hilarious, if not ironic. <laughs> um, but they're... Um, Yes, we sort of see. We'll, we'll we'll see what sort of fun that they bring bring tomorrow because apparently they're they're going to be protesting on the weekend. So and I just find it interesting from a, a human behavior perspective. 
seeing the different type of antics that people get up to to um, raise their point. Um, and I think some of them are really effective and some of them are less effective. Um, but it's there doesn't seem to be a really good narrative on or good research into you know what is the most optimum way for carrying out a protest to get your message across without annoying everybody in the process. Yeah, that's interesting uh, question for sure. Uh, hey, I have a question for you. It looks like you got a new uh, camera. Is that true? I do. I do. Yeah. So um, that's also why I'm trying to work out where it is, which I also had a bit of a screw with earlier this uh, earlier this week, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh-oh. But um, but yes, I'm I'm now on the um, Elgato webcam. Uh, live oh, you're on the Elgato, which okay. is mm, which is quite huge. Um, and it, it's got a much wider field of vision than what I was expecting because now I'm about yeah. to tidy up everything in the background. And believe it or not, that's tidy. Um, but it's um, yes, it's got a much wider field of view, which is which is quite cool. Do, do um, you like it? Because I am in the market for a new camera because this one keeps uh, keeps messing up on me here tonight. Well, actually, so far, so good. It's really good. Except if you do what I do did earlier on. What day were we on? No, in fact, what I did yesterday. So I was um, chairing a, a webinar on um, AI and medical um, tech for the chat institute, and um, dial into it and brilliant, and that, that that was all working. But but the cam wasn't working, and I'm like, but this is my oh, no. brand new camera. Why is it not working? Why? And we'd done a tech test, you know, a few days earlier, and it, it was working. Then I'm like, why is it not working? Well, I can't believe it's let me down. This camera's cost me an awful lot of money. But what it comes with is yeah. this, which is the bit that goes over. The cam to protect the very expensive lens oh. and if, because it's black and the camera's black unless you're actually noticing and you're, you're used to taking it off then um yeah that will stop the actual camera from functioning because it's a cover wow. um yeah. and it took me and i was sort of panicking because we had like sort of te- you know we, we clocked in like 15 minutes early and i'm like why isn't this working why isn't this working why isn't this working it took me a good three four minutes to realize that i left the cap on it's only um, only three or four minutes that's not bad in in the well, uh in the grand scheme of things. But given that I was the chair and I was supposed to be setting a good example, I was starting to panic a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, right? Well, is it the um is it the face cam? Is that what you have? Yes. I think so quite a big chunky square thing. Oh yeah, it's about it looks like it's about as big as mine. Um I so yeah, I'm I'm definitely in the market for one of these things now. Cause uh yeah, this has been a frustrating this has been a frustrating recurring problem. This thing like unsinking randomly. Right. Uh, and I don't know why. But yeah, it's got a nice lens on it. I've looked at this very one before and um, it's quite expensive. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's one. It's not cheap. Um, but I also have the, the Alligato Stream Deck as well. Yeah. Um, which I'm trying to work out how to make that work with sort of the restream stuff because somebody must have produced a. Um, yeah, um, an interface for it um, to make the buttons work. And though I could do a fair bit of self-coding, um, and I just I like their kit. It just seems robust um, and and seems to work. Or just so far, anyway, I haven't broken anything yet, um, which is a bit of a bonus. Yeah, I I, um, I may need to upgrade. Um, I mean, it's got I think you, got decent reviews. Yeah, no, I think it is good. I think the, you know, I mean, I've had no problems with it. Like I said, the only thing I wasn't prepared for was it. It is a very wild, wide field of view. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that. It's a, it looks like it's about the same field of view as I have. Um, 
maybe maybe slightly yeah. wider. Yeah, yeah. I think your your camera is probably closer to you as well. If I was to move that closer to me, um, that might also be a thing as well. Yeah, my um, camera is about an arm's length out in front of me. I mean, like there's, there's probably an inch or two. Well. Yeah, there's um, uh, there, there's something for the for the streamers just seeing us trying yeah. to touch our camera. Hey, look the, here, slightly up my look, 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 We need three D, three D. Yeah, so, so that's <laughs> like what, like about what two inches away from my camera. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now, so it's got I, no digital zoom or anything like that on it, uh, which I think some other cams have. Oh, the digital so zoom. You, yeah, so you literally put it on there, and, and yeah, and but actually, in terms of installation, that it was an absolute, it was an absolute breeze. Just plug in so, and go. It certainly was. So uh, cool. Well, I'm glad to hear it. it looks great. And I'm kind of hope what I'm I'm playing with the idea because at the moment this is sort of sat on my on the monitor, which is like what most people do. But if if I judge the desk or anything, then I, I that happens. Which actually that does it less than what the other. That's quite good as well. Um, I'm wondering about whether to make a a mount into the wall behind it, so to, so to mount it on the wall above the desks, right. uh, above the monitor, so you don't get any of that judder. Um, but that's a project yeah. for some time when I don't have that much to do. I think just mine. Happen. I think mine has some stabilization because I'm pounding. Oh wait, that's because <laughs> that's because I've mounted my monitor to the wall. And <laughs> that's me why then? There okay, you go. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna ask a question. Sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I think I was just finishing off. The... I can't remember what I was gonna say. I have too busy, too busy laughing at you now. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, we got we got a minute. So. Uh... Oh, oh hey, I'm uh, not used to, to start this early. I know we're on the same time and everything. I know. Hey, we'll start in just yeah. a minute. I want to let you know and everyone who's watching know uh, that we may have um, some additional voices on the show a little later. Uh, not Yay. not today, but but soon, hopefully. Um, I think there's uh, there's some good chances that we're going to try to expand our panel a little bit beyond. What is going on? Camera, man. <laughs> I need, I need a camera. <laughs> Plagued by camera issues tonight. All right. We tried hitting it against a wall or something yeah i should really just throw, throw yeah all right just got some sort of blockage in there we're gonna be right back and we're gonna start the show stick around it's gonna be a good one welcome to human factors cast your weekly podcast for human factors psychology and design Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Human Factors Cast. This is episode 224. We're recording this live on November 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Nick Rome. I'm joined today by Mr. Barry Kirby. Hello. Good to be here. Just in time. Yeah, just in time. We're we're actually rarely recording in on the same day as of now. Yes. Uh, which is which is odd. <laughs> Yes, we we just lost. Uh, yeah, we just lost daylight savings time. So, which caught me kind of su by surprise as you messaged me saying we we're about to go live. And I'm like, but I'm still in my house and I still need to put my laptop on. Anyway, well, we, this we're is, all fine. This is why we do a 30 minute pre show. Uh, we, <laughs> we do have a great show for you tonight. We're going to be talking about whether or not remote working can foster innovation. And later, we're going to take some questions from the community about the most important questions you can ask a UX designer or researcher, as well as what a day in the life of a human factors practitioner looks like, as well as kind of, uh, you know, engineering and human factors. It's, it's all all inclusive. We're going to talk about all of it tonight. 
Um, but uh, we got some programming notes first here. Twelve oh two, the Human Factors podcast. That is a show that you do, Barry. It is certainly, and but you've also come. You also come to join me last week. Yes, so... that's, that's what this. That's what this bump is for. That you want to tell everybody about uh, about your podcast and what we did last week. Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, my podcast is a, is a more um, interview of great and noble people within the human factors community. And how could I have such a um, um, such an audacious way of, of describing it if I didn't have you yourself, Nick, on to tell us more about uh, my listeners about how you run this podcast? So um, yeah, so you came and joined me for um, a, a really in depth interview. So if you want to know more about Nick and his motivations for uh, why did the podcast does this podcast the stuff that goes on in the background to make the podcast, then come and have a listen at 1202 The Human Factors Podcast, which is at 1202podcast.com. And you can have a listen to Nick. Yeah, you you might have found it in your feed last week. That's what I was alluding to with a little surprise uh, last week's show. But um, yes, Barry puts on a tremendous show over there. Highly recommend going and listening to those, if not to hear me drone on, but to hear other great minds talk about their work. Um. We are now streaming on LinkedIn, so if you're watching us over there, hello! Thank you for watching us on this platform. It's brand new to us. I think we've only streamed one other time on LinkedIn. Um, and aside from that, I don't think we got much else going on. We've some conference coverage coming up, but we'll we'll get that out when we get that out. Anyway, we know why you are all here. You are here for the news, so let's get into it. Yes, it is time for Human Factors News. This is the part where we look all over the internet and talk about anything related to the field of human factors. Barry, what is our news story this week? So this week, we're looking at whether remote working can be better for innovation than in-person meetings. So fear of losing their innovative edge pushes many leaders to reject hybrid and virtual working arrangements. Yet the article from Scientific American um, suggests that hybrid and remote teams can gain an, gain an innovative advantage and outcompete in-person teams by utilizing virtual brainstorming. Gleb Chapersky explores the discrepancy between leadership beliefs and scientific evidence. So the article suggests that leaders often fail to adopt innovative best practice because of cognitive biases, as in their own cognitive biases about the way things work. But research in behavioral science receives that the benefit in idea generation from a face-to-face -face brainstorming comes from two main areas. One involves idea synergy, where or where ideas shared by one participant help triggers ideas in other participants, so a cascade effect. The other is social social fa uh, facilitation, or where uh, participants feel motivated when they know they're collaborating with their peers on the same goal, so they're all working together. The article highlights that these benefits can come with counterproductive effects. An example is production blocking. That's when someone has the innovative idea during a group discussion, but other people are talking about a different topic, and the idea, idea, uh, the, uh, that idea, innovative idea gets lost in the mix. Many people are also impacted by a second major problem for traditional brainstorming, evaluation apprehension. Some members may feel worried about sharing their ideas openly because of anxiety about what their peers will think of them. So trying to do traditional brainstorming via video conference, which is what we've all had to do through the um, through this pandemic, is a poor substitute for the energizing presence of colleagues in a conference room, thus weakening the benefits of social facilitation. The author of the article promotes a seven-step model for asynchronous virtual brainstorming, where individual ideation is facilitated and moderated in isolation and shared anonymously, and then brought together at the end for a discussion. So a bit of a, a, a hybrid effect there. 
So, having listened to that, Nick, what do you think? So, when I picked this article during office hours, I thought it would be a great discussion since we brought up innovation a few weeks ago uh, during the It Came From section of this show. Um, I believe we talked about like what is innovation. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it'd be a good springboard to talk about things like idea generation and the psychology behind brainstorming um, just generally. So, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later, but I mean, the focus here really seems to be more on the anonymous aspect of being remote and kind of utilizing that. And, and really, in my mind, and I, I think the author is kind of making this point too, it's, I feel like all these things could be communicated in person with the right tools and the right leadership style as well, which kind of weakens their overall argument that remote working is better for innovation, right? So that, that's kind of my general thoughts. What so, about you, Barry? Yeah, so I... I don't know. I, this sort of got my heckles up to a certain a certain extent because I think for similar reasons. The because for me, the real problem with the article is that it's equating the number of ideas produced, um, so that the, the quantity of ideas with the with the quality of the ideas. So good innovation is not just an, the number of ideas produced in a session. It is um, it, it's got to have a certain amount of quality and a certain amount of depth to to what you're doing to be able to take it anywhere. Um, we sort of talked about this when when we talked about innovation. It's more than just an idea, and it's a, it's very much a it is an overused term at the moment. Um, but for me, it was also conflating that idea of if people are working from home, um, then they're, then they're more innovative, and, and really that's not the case. They're, they're, um, the numbers that they were they were pulling out were again conflating the idea of innovation and employee retention. So yes, we have less innovation in organizations where people are leaving because without people there, you can't innovate. Um, but for me, I guess in, in real, in real, real practice, and actually I was running such a group just today, remote group work, and I've, done, I've facilitated an awful lot of um, these sort of groups throughout the pandemic, and we made use of some really good tools, and there are some fantastic tools out there, but it's just simply not as rich as in-person work. And I think, um, yeah, I think that bit's interesting. Fundamentally, some people are just not cut out for doing that sort of brainstorming uh, group work. So that goes to what you were saying in terms of facilitation. You should be having the right people in the room who can do that sort of stuff. Um, and also the facilitation, that is is absolutely key. Um, it's uh, to be able to facilitate such a session, have the skills to lead it, to be able to make sure people can bring in their thoughts, their ideas, because they're in the room and you want to get their value out. It is up to the chair or the leader or the um, um, in, in the agile uh, well, they talk about servant leaders quite a lot, and that's absolutely what they're meant to do. They're meant to make sure that people can bring out what they do. So that if you're on, if you're in a group, um, or say the author was in a group where they, these sort of things weren't happening, then I would say it's it's as much it says as much as much as about them as it does about the group that they were leading. But the process they talk about at the end, I think, is a really good one. Um, the the, the seven step process that they do actually because it's similar to what I use myself. Um, you get people's ideas um, remotely, so you can pull some of these things together and then you you have a, f a physical event where you can pull them out if you've got a team that works well together then actually that that does a lot um it allows you to optimize time so and you could argue we use a somewhat similar process to pull together like the show notes for um for what we're doing so we, we do, do a lot of it um remotely um 
that type of thing, and then bring it all together. Um, so I like the process. I just don't think that actually followed his argument. Yeah, we'll we'll talk. Yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the article here towards the end. I do want to back up. I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about innovation itself. Mm-hmm. Define define innovation. I also want to talk a little bit about some of the background on brainstorming and idea generation, uh, just from like an industry standard. So let's start with innovation, Barry. I know you have some thoughts on innovation, uh, <laughs> as illustrated by our discussion a couple weeks ago. You had some pretty strong thoughts on it. I want to let's revisit that conversation here. What is innovation to you? So for me, innovation is the transfer of ideas from one domain to another. There are no truly new ideas out there in the world. That's not quite true. There are some, you know, there are step changes, but the vast majority of what people do is they see an idea in in one domain, say in my world in the in the defense domain, and then we go and apply it to um to something where it's maybe not used so much. And the the true innovation then comes is how to adapt and mold that uh, that one use in one domain and make it applicable and to get the value in another domain. Nice and simple. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, there's there's so many definitions about what innovations is out there right yeah i you know from from some of the preliminary research i did for today's show notes a lot of these definitions tend to focus on something like a creative process and they really focus on the need to innovate too um, and that's just to kind of keep disrupting the space that you're in i think those fit pretty well with your definition if you think about it from just the basic level, right? You you need some sort of transfer ideas. Well, there's a creative process that you can use to get those ideas from other domains uh, and, and to transfer it transfer it to another. That's that's the creative process. And then there's a need to innovate in in the sense that there's a problem that needs to be solved with some solution from elsewhere. And I think I don't want to get into defining innovation because I think what you said is spot on. I agree with you entirely. It is very rare to find novel ideas that are not just uh, that that no one's you know thought of before. Yeah. So thinking of all that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say it it is very much that. I mean, it's not necessarily because some people sort of take that and say, well, it's you know you're just looking complete ideas, but it might just be that inspiration from seeing what bit. So I've seen. I was talking to a web designer today who said, oh, you know, some of the things we put in this web design is because I saw it. um, I saw a similar idea and. Um, on somebody else's web uh, web page, and thought, oh, could we implement something similar to that? So it's the you know it's that inspiration, and therefore you, how do you? I've been inspired by this one thing. How do I implement that in in a solution for that I'm working? Some might call it begging, borrowing, and stealing, but we call it innovation over here. Absolutely tried. Yes. <laughs> so let's. <laughs> so, so I mentioned the creative process here. Let's let's actually talk about it. Um, at, one sort of industry standard, there's not really, I'm sure there's papers on it, but the industry standard is kind of a four-step creative process where you have this preparation, incubation, illumination, and verification. We can kind of talk about each step individually, but following that process is the creative process, right? You have the preparation, you're you're looking at gathering all that information, sort of thinking about that inspiration that you were talking about, right? And and acquiring any knowledge that might sort of help solve the problem at hand. Mm-hmm. Then you have incubation, 
you look at all those ideas that you picked out in that preparation phase and, and basically let them marinate. Think about them. And kind of <laughs> that's it. Really? That's incubation. Then you yeah. then you get that aha moment, the incubate the illumination, sorry. So once you've thought about all this, you might finally connect the dots and go, okay, we can pull this from that other domain. Let's let's do it. And then the verification phase is really just vetting it to make sure that that implementation is carried out. So that's just, again, kind of high level industry standard for creative process. And I think the seven steps that this article has, it fits really nicely with that. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Any, I want to go to you, Barry. Any thoughts on the creative process itself? Any modifications? No, I don't think. I think it absolutely fits. The one thing that it doesn't mention, though, that I think we, and this is what what I what my big criticism criticism in the industry at the moment is time. That some of these things just take time to do, um, and and just can't be forced. Um, so the whole preparation and incubation piece. So the preparation, I think, is absolutely key. That if you've if you're having a, a brainstorming session or you're having that sort of thing, the more preparation you do, so you can actually have things to hand and that type of thing, then the better your session um, uh, you'll get. So there's the military adage of uh, pride preparation prevents poor performance. Um, and and so that, that's absolutely key. And, but then the, that incubation piece, I often say that uh, particularly to new staff members, you, you, you know, you'll or new team members, that you'll probably come up with the uh, the, the best ideas that you ever have while you, while you're in the bath. Um, yeah. or you're doing, you know, you're you're not under pressure. Your things will abstractly just come to you, and um, it, and it's not in the your bath time, as I, I tend to call it, is is it when you you know you, you you've got the time for your just ideas to just sort themselves out, just to work through and. Um, and actually that's why you can't do it all in a day as well. I, I do like to try and have two day sessions when, when you look at this type of thing, because actually you, you having an ability to have a sleep actually sorts out a lot of that as well. Um, but that illumination moment, um, is the most fun part, I think. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. It's you sort of sitting there going that you got, you, you, um, and again, I was running in the workshop I was running today. I was trying to explain to, um, to new members of staff about because they've never done anything like this before and I was, I was like the we'll go through this and i can't tell you when we'll get to it i can't tell you when we'll get to the the answer of what we were doing but when you when it's there you will know and we came to it today i was actually quite surprised it was quicker than i, I thought it was going to be um and we came to the answer so we were coming up uh, to, to name a potential future product and we came to it and we were like it could be this and everyone's like yes that's it yeah, exactly i was like Great, that's an early coffee. That's brilliant. Um, but it was, and it, but and it was really nice for them to. When I sort of said, you know, it, it is that eureka moment. It, it is that piece where you'll turn around, and it, and it actually happened. Um, so I was quite pleased. It was like one of them performance anxiety. What happens if we don't perform today? Um, but he did, and, and it was quite nice to see it almost see it on their faces just how it works. So, um, yeah. and so now, so now we've gone into that verification phase of right. Does it actually make sense? Um, which is tomorrow's job. Yeah, I mean that you're you're absolutely right, and I think you know one thing I'd add to that is you know from from anecdotal evidence, you know I've like stepped away from the work computer, and I've been kind of in my thoughts, and <laughs> my wife will go, "Are you done for the day?" And I'm like, "They don't pay me to work; they pay me to think," and <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm always thinking, 
And so it's like it's like hard to quantify exactly how much you work on a job because a lot of it in our domain is thinking about stuff. Right. And it's it's you spend a lot of that time in the incubation phase. So, you know, I'm thinking about processes, procedures, products that we can possibly. Well, there's a lot of alliteration there that we can possibly implement. And it will be, you know, while I'm changing my kid's diaper or something is, oh, yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing the places you'll be. It's the, um, I mean, we quite look, I guess, lucky or unlucky, uh, the bus, uh, me and my wife work in the same, in the same business, doing the same thing. And so actually we, we, we can wake up in the middle of the night and go, have, I've just solved it. We've got this. And then, um, yeah, we, we, midnight discussions. Um, yeah. I, I do want to mention briefly that there's modifications on this four-step process and we got through verification. Now there's the verification I've seen split up into other steps where it's like the sort of recurring testing, right? Test, validate, test, validate, push out. And it's kind of like a recurring cycle. I do want to mention that because I know there are some graphics out there that do illustrate that. That's what we're talking about with verification. We're testing it. And once it has been verified, then we move on. So why don't we get into the article discussion proper? Because I think there's there's a lot to unpack here from this argument uh, that remote working itself is better for basically innovation for this creative process that we're talking about here. Yes. So let's talk about it. You got some points you want to bring up? Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think there is, you cannot deny um, that actually the whole flexible working piece, the ability to work from home has been um, hugely advantageous. And we've talked about this before on on previous, uh, previous episodes that, um, that, you know, the ability to not, not quite have such a, such a long commute, um, better work-life balance, and all, and all that sort of stuff has been has been really good, and, and it's been proven to employers that people, if they're working from home, they're not just sitting there drinking the coffee, having, having you know watching TV, and uh, people are actually productive. But I think there is still a whole lot of issues that we um, that we need to to engage with. I think there's legal issues and sort of moral issues as well. So in terms of flexible work in itself. It absolutely should be used. I mean, for for us now, it's a, it's a standard. If you don't need to be in the office, you can work from home. That you know that that's not a drama at all, um, and and encouraged. Um, but it's got to be done where it's pro- possible and practicable for both the employee and the employer, because it is still a state of mutual trust. Um, technology means that we can do it, and as we're proving, you know, we, 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 we even with what we're doing tonight, um, but it doesn't mean that we always should. Um, we've got to we've got to strike that right balance. One of the things that's coming to light for me at the moment um, in talking to human factors colleagues and people who are asking advice about setting up from home is maybe in people in the uh, don't have the appropriate housing to to have a home office that they can't have that space that is nicely away that they can't that there's nowhere that they can close the door on that there is no standards at the moment for um, for a home office to be to have an appropriate desk with um, appropriate IT equipment, um, the right sort of chair. And, and employers don't have, uh, ne- have necessarily have in place the funding or the ability to buy all that sort of stuff from, for the employee. And almost what right does the employer have to, to dictate what you have in the home 
as opposed to what you know in, in if you're going to the office they have absolute right to say you, you will use an appropriate desk and, and and they have the legal obligation to provide the chair if you need it and all that sort of stuff but if you're at home there are still even now sort of 18 months two, two years into this pandemic there's still people i know who are working off the dining room table who are working off an ironing board which i think still think is a bit mad though it's adjustable in height so it, I, I get a bit of sense but not using necessarily appropriate chairs and things like that and the biggest thing for me actually is mental health issues there is still um a lack of understanding truly about the mental health impact of, of being at home all the time and not you know not not going out and engaging with different people and being able to share what you're doing the big thing about going to the office um, or at least going to a co-working environment is you're sharing like-minded goals with like-minded people um, and if you're at home then maybe your your family don't want to know about what you're doing all of the time um, you know or if you're hiding yourself away from them then you're actually still not not at home you may be polluting that home environment so this article sort of highlights that there's um, that it, it, it kind of conflates the idea that um, working from home gives you better innovation, but actually none of the evidence that it, it delivers actually shows that it's actually you're delivering better innovation. The article itself sort of gives you that um, that people are more likely to be retained in jobs. Brilliant, yes, but just because <clears throat> they're working at home doesn't necessarily mean that they're innovative. They're just working um, and and put, putting more ideas onto the table well again as i said the just because you've got more ideas on the table doesn't mean it's better innovation just means you've got you, there's more plates on there so yes i still think i think there's a long way to go in still understanding the value of the, the getting that right balance of flexible working um i think absolutely it's a good thing um but it doesn't necessarily mean that the the, the premise of the uh, of this article is is correct yeah, let's I mean, let's talk about some of the the arguments that the article brings up. Right. They they bring up research from behavioral science. And I, I know you said a lot of this in the blur, but I think it bears repeating, especially as we yeah. have the context now of innovation and the creative cycle. Right. So, I, I mean, there's this idea generation. Basically, that it, it's uh, too two areas. The idea generation comes from two areas, right? It's the idea, idea synergy and the social, social facilitation, right? So, so one dealing with how you share ideas and, and how ideas from one person might help spark ideas in another person. And then the social facilitation bit is the motivation behind uh, collaborating with others, right? With the same goal in mind. Mm -hmm. So that's one piece of it. They argue that there's counterproductive effects from these uh, sort of idea generation, uh, I guess, whatever you want to call these. These are uh, brainstorming idea generation principles. I don't know what, what you want to call them. So, so basically they mentioned that in terms of this counterproductivity, you're looking at production blocking Again, you mentioned this in the blurb, but it's basically when you have an idea, but but everyone else has moved on to something else and you don't want to jump into that conversation with that idea yet because it's not socially acceptable to jump in and be like, I have this idea about something that we talked about before. And I, I get the argument there, but write stuff down. Like that, it's a process thing. Like, it, it's good facilitation. The yeah, again, exactly. It, it, this is why 
God invented post-it notes. Um, everybody has a post-it note. If you don't have an appropriate time to jump into the conversation, you should know uh, because you should be told, you know, whoever's facilitating it or just from experience, then um, write it down, slap it down in front of you and, and at the appropriate point, pick it up or you get to the end and say, well, actually, you guys have all said your piece. I want to talk about this. Right. Um, and, and the facilitator should be, you know, a good facilitator will say, one more round who has something that they haven't said before. You know, if you have an idea, it's also setting the stage. If you have an idea, write it down on a post-it note. We'll revisit it. I promise. And having that promise and the trust that your idea will get heard in those things, in those uh, idea production phases is valuable, right? Having, (laughs) having a, a a good facilitator. I want to talk about this pessimistic, optimistic, workplace brainstorming struggle they talk about this in in terms of optimism being processing verbally spitballing half-baked ideas on the fly this is what is traditionally thought of as brainstorming to me it sounds more like an introvert extrovert how do people communicate type of thing maybe that's what they're getting at here but there's for me like i'm a i'm an internal process guy i think about things by myself and once i refine that idea then i spit it out where somebody else might just be talk 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 oh there's an idea mm-hmm. and there's a difference between these two because you know maybe maybe the implicit internal person might think that that spitballed idea is well thought through and vice versa somebody may not put somebody who's just spitballing ideas out there, throwing ideas out there may not give yours as much weight as you deserve because they might think it's just something that you're throwing out there. So there's this mismatch between sort of, I guess, communication styles, which can contribute to the brainstorming. And that's another argument that they use. If everybody's thinking through if everyone's thinking through these ideas virtually and putting them all down, then they're all on even footing. And I think that's, I think that's the argument that they're trying to make here between the pessimistic and optimistic approach. Yeah. But I think I would go back to, again, I I guess I go back to facilitation because yeah, I tend to be more the optimist. I, I do the, um, just whilst I I will go into a session with some ideas that I, that I thought, through i'm also more than happy to sort of think as i talk and and develop some ideas that way as well um but it's knowing if you've facilitated the group right you will you should have a mix of them type of people in the room anyway if you if you pull the right sort of group together i mean sometimes it's just not possible to to fully know i get that but if you've if we're talking about well facilitated groups then you will have invited your hopefully no more than 11 including yourself into into that group um and allow you to pull that together, and you you should have a at least an idea of of the different type of people that you've got in the room. And if you pulling, you know, maybe people aren't talking very much. So, if me and you were in a room and and you were being a bit quiet in the corner, I I'd be quite there saying, Nick, have you got something you want to contribute? Um, exactly. And and allow you know, I because when you're talking about the more introverted um, people, then they they feel like they need almost permission to speak um or you know encouraged to bring that idea forward and things like that and it's up to the facilitator to do that um yeah what, what you're talking about there's evaluation apprehension that's when somebody in a more junior role or 
somebody basically that feels a little self-conscious about their ideas being shared openly, um, whether it's anxiety related or what their peers think, you know, I think that's that's another sort of argument that this author is using in saying that that is effectively eliminated when you work from home. And again, it's it's all about that facilitation. This to me screams bad leadership because, yeah, you should foster an environment where people feel comfortable sharing their ideas. You, you know, it's like there's no bad ideas here. That is something that you should communicate and you should stick by that because as people answer these or throw out their ideas, you don't want to dis you don't want to be dismissive of anybody's ideas because that's that's antithetical to the sort of you know the the activity that you were doing in that moment. Yeah, and the what's interesting there, it says, you know, it makes the highlight of low status junior group members. Actually, I've had some very senior stakeholders, um, part of the thing, who won't contribute because they don't want to look stupid in front of junior people um, or they don't want to look stupid in front of clients or, you know, that type of thing. And so, actually, I don't think that, again, that's not restricted to a particular group of people. It's um, some people are nervous about sharing their um, their ideas. And rather than focusing too much on this, it is a facilitation, but it's also, you know, you've got the idea of uh, the way you develop a new group. You go through the forming, storming, norming, performing stages. Um, and this is also part of that, of, of allowing whoever is facilitating or leading that group to take the group, if it's a new group, through them stages so you get through that performing piece and people can perform to the best of their ability. Um, Again, I think facilitators are probably getting a hard time from us tonight, but it's it's such an important job that's un, that's underrated. The people don't really put is. enough effort into into it. You, you think you can just chuck a brainstorming session together and um, and it'll just happen and and the magic happens. And actually, there's a um, going back to what you said earlier about the preparation piece. Um, it, getting that you know the, the if you do enough prep, really good preparation, then you'll get some really good outputs but the preparation needs to be there and it's all down to facilitation. Yeah. So, so all these arguments that I just mentioned, these are from the author of the article here. They basically use these to outline the argument that yes, these can build teams. They can kind of make sure that everyone's on the same page. They can encourage collaboration. People feel good about their participation, but they argue that this maximizing innovation can occur if you do things remotely and they <laughs> they have a simple seven-step process would you like to go through that process barry <laughs> not really just high um, level high level no, it's a, so step one initial idea generation so the you generate them ideas and have an online co collaborative tool so you know that could be a, a simple um, textual document or whatever um but you can have a digital co-working meeting um and you're looking on just basically slamming in as many ideas as you possibly can and also looking at the contradiction between ideas um, but what they should be is anonymized and the so that 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 gets away from the evaluation apprehension piece or the uh, the well the author says that it'll get away from that if you're apprehensive about putting it in then I'm, i don't think anonymizing actually makes that much of a difference but anyway we'll come back to that so then you do a second step two which is the facilitator categorizes ideas brings them together so cleaning them up um 
And then everybody can go in and evaluate all the ideas at step three. So they anonymously commenting on, on every idea and presumably putting pros and cons and that type of thing. So then for step four, you can then have a, idea, a revised idea generation. So another sh um, idea sharing session, reevaluating the old ideas, but also maybe generating new ones as well. Um, then you go through another cleanup stage, just like what you did at, did at step two. So um, pu pulling them together, categorizing them, et cetera. Um, and then you have another evaluation of the revised ideas again. So it's basically two large uh, generation cycles. And then at the end, you get together and discuss them. Um, so again, you could do this digitally or you could do it um, face to face. Um, but finalize, finalize which ideas should be moved forward uh, towards implementation. And that then you can plan them and, and go into all that sort of stuff as well. So whilst it's seven steps, I think it's two large cycles followed by a um, um, a, a review and planning meeting. Yeah. Hey, do you remember when I said that now in industry, there's typically a review cycle in there in the creative process? Yep. Here it is. There we go. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. Look, I, 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 go I ahead. Think, I, yeah. I think what, like, like I sort of said, when I did the, um, did, did the initial article, I, I, I quite, I've got no problems with the process really, because it's not dissimilar to what, we do on a day-to-day -day basis anyway. I don't I don't think that the idea behind I don't think the the anonymous side of things necessarily provides the value provides the value or, or things that, that the author suggests. Um because actually there is a value in if you've got a good team and you understand the team and you've introduced the team together, knowing where a comment's coming from coming from is as valuable as the comment itself. So if a an engineer suggests that you can't have a certain um valve in place on that design because of a flow if i if i said that it, people might think it's looking from an aesthetic or a um um an hci perspective but actually knowing it's come from a systems engineer who actually understands how the system actually works um say on a, on a water flow or a steam flow something like that that gives it a much different perspective um so yeah this idea of anonymization that is the panacea to everything not convinced um but fundamentally i mean the the idea is about having a couple of generation cycles um followed by a, a finalization thing that's almost fairly standard i think the yeah the idea of doing it remotely yeah okay yeah if there's any one takeaway from this article or from our discussion tonight i would say that the facilitator is key i don't think the environment is key. I think it's absolutely to do with the facilitator. And I think, you know, you and I are both <laughs> in agreement there. Do you have any other closing thoughts on this article before we get out of here and get into the next part of the show? Yeah, I, th I do think the the biggest thing is now that this, this hybrid working, this working from home, working from the office, trying to get that balance right is such a rich topic at the moment. And it's up to all of us to talk and feedback um, about how it works. I think there's still some big hitters around how do we uh, best work from home, certainly from an ergonomics perspective, when we're looking at uh, best working and how to best support um, workers from home. Um, and how does their employer um, deliver their response? Because the employees are still responsible for their for their employees. How do they still deliver their legal, legal obligations without invading your your home privacy space? Um, but innovation is such a a cool thing to do um, that um, as many processes you throw throw about it, it's still about having the cool time in the bath to come up with the bing moment. I agree. I don't do this often enough, but I'm going to answer the question 
to the episode title, does remote working foster inner innovation in our view? No, it's all about the facilitator. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you to our patrons this week for selecting our topic. And thank you to our friends over at Scientific American for the news story this week. If you want to follow along, join me on Office Hours every Monday where I find these news stories. And we do post the links to the original articles on our weekly roundups on our blog. You can also join us on our Slack or Discord for more discussion on these stories. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to see what's going on in the Human Factors community right after this. Human Factors Cast brings you the best in Human Factors news, interviews, conference coverage, and overall fun conversations into each and every episode we produce. But we can't do it without you. The Human Factors Cast Network is 100% listener supported. All the funds that go into running the show come from our listeners. Our patrons are our priority, and we want to ensure we're giving back to you for supporting us. Pledges start at just $1 per month and include rewards like access to our weekly Q&As with the hosts, personalized professional reviews, and Human Factors Minute, a Patreon-only weekly podcast where the hosts break down unique, obscure, and interesting Human Factors topics in just one minute. Patreon rewards are always evolving, so stop by patreon.com slash humanfactorscast to see what support level may be right for you. Thank you, and remember, it depends. Huge thank you, as always, to our patrons. We picked up a couple patrons last month. Uh, always happy to have you here. Especially want to thank our honorary Human Factors cast staff, Michelle Tripp. Just so you are all aware, we are two patrons away from being completely self-sustainable and uh, not take any out-of-pocket costs. I'm going to say that until we get them. Uh, <laughs> you know, these we do pay for the show ourselves. I mean, monthly SoundCloud fees, annual website hosting domains, uh, the website capability anyway it's all it's all out of pocket uh mostly now no well no longer mostly out of pocket thanks to patrons like you patrons like you do keep the show running so thank you all so much for your continued support uh we're gonna switch gears and uh get into this next part of the show we like to call it came from it came from that's right. It came from this week. It is all Reddit. That's okay, though. It's the part of the show where we search all over the internet to bring you topics the community's talking about. If you find any of these answers useful, please give us a like to help other people find this content. For now, uh, we might have time for two. We might have time for three. Let's just see how they go. I want to get into this first one here. This one is from uh, Breadfruit Vegetable Five on the Human Factor subreddit. This is a discussion topic, so it's perfect for the show. Engineering and human factors. They go on to write, A common issue seen in product development is the common ground between engineering design and human factors engineering. When given the task of improving a simple product, such as a urinalysis collection container for pregnant women, the problem gets very complex when human factors gets involved. As an engineer, it's easy to factor out complications such as uh, such as sterility and manufacture process of a new product, but the justification of human factors changes uh, to a simple product is more difficult. Do you have any opinion from a human factors background on how you attach such a problem and what could be changed on a simple design uh, as such and justification for such? So look, this is using a very specific problem space here, your analysis collection container, but the problem still remains, or I guess the discussion still remains. A seemingly simple product can be viewed 
from two different lenses, engineering and human factors. How do you reconcile the two? What are your thoughts from the human factors perspective, Barry, and the engineering perspective, if you have one? So, yeah, I, I guess I do wear both hats. So it's it's interesting that from an engineering perspective, it's really easy to break it down and say, well, you know, in this type of thing, all you're doing is collecting um, urine from a, from, from a person. I mean, how hard can that be? It's just the movement of... Um, liquid from one container to another. Um, and if you look at it from that very sim simple perspective, then yes, as soon as we start talking about human factors issues, like, well, how are you going to use it? How are you going to reach? How are you going to hold it? How are you going to uh, make sure it stays sterile? So the actual, um, if you're doing um, analysis, then, you know, you, it's actually a decent sample. How do you make sure it doesn't spill? How do you make sure that um, you can actually be, you know, it is, it said here it's for a pregnant lady. So how can she actually see that she's using it properly? How can um, how can we make sure that actually it's not male engineers who are designing stuff for um, for female use and actually making sure that there's no in, in inherent biases and and things like that? I think it's it it is a constant issue that I think we have you know take out that that specific thing. But when we're talking about how to when I've worked in fast jets and how to interpret data that you're seeing on a, on a fill on a, on a display. The whole point of when you start pulling a, a user perspective onto any sort anything that you're you're developing, I just don't understand why it isn't obvious that you have to take the user-centered approach. When you they're the people who are gonna to have to use it, they're the people who are gonna to have to engage with it, they're the people who are gonna to have to um have that. Um and yet we get we have this this idea that um and I've seen it so many times where um pure engineering teams um, I sat there saying, "Well, we've got to make it so it's out, so the system works. Uh, we've got to make it so that the system is functions, and it's like, and they don't. We we seem to struggle between the difference between um, a system being functionable and a system being operable. Um, and and the the operator is just seen as a as a, a um, as an annoyance and as as, as as a triviality. So." From my perspective, what I spend a lot of time doing here is is working with people and bringing people into into groups. I like the agile group principle. So in this case, I'll be bringing the engineer and the users and and clients, whatever, into the same room. So we don't we get away from. And I think sometimes we as human factors operate, uh, practitioners have been guilty of this in the past, where we go and talk to users, and then we give the engineers the uh, the the abbreviated or our perspective of the user's problem. Sometimes it's really quite valuable for us to facilitate um, sessions where the where everybody's in the room, and so we can we we have a two way discussion in that respect. So fundamentally, for me, it's about um, bringing all the um, all the audiences, all all the voices to the same room, so we can, so people can hear firsthand of what the problems are, and therefore um, can start focusing on on the the whole solution rather than just trying to abstract a. Um, a systematic solution. Yeah, I want to elaborate a little bit more on that whole point of who you bring to the room, right? Because the ultimate goal should be engineers trust you as the human factors practitioner that you've thought through these issues. And so you can hand it off, communicate it to them effectively, and they'll build it the way that you want it to be built. Now, that's not to say that you don't include them in the process to build that trust, and that's incredibly important, right? Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're including them, um, bringing them along for the ride, so that way they can see all the questions that you're asking and get that context that, oh, yeah, there's there's a lot more to this. Yeah, it's fairly obvious from a human factors perspective that 
you need to consider all these things about the user. But again, that's how we're trained. That's how we think. I can, you know, and it's it's very easy on the other side from from an engineering perspective to see a requirement. And this is why requirements writing is so important too, as you consider the human in all of this, right? Because if you, yeah, like you said, right, the requirement, need a cup to hold urine. That's the requirement. But if you say, you know, start writing requirements like user needs to be able to hold cup. User needs to be able to see cup. <laughs> cup cannot be sterilized, right? You have all these additional requirements that help define the product. Then you are constraining that design even more because Occam's razor, they'll take the easiest path available. They'll just make the cup yeah. and it's not going to be usable. And that's that's kind of the the relationship between the two, right? You need to help define the product more through some of those requirements that get at the user-centered uh, design, right? <laughs> and so having that, I think, will help with um, some of that communication bit. Now, this, this Reddit post specifically asks for, you know, the justification of human factors changes to a simple product. It's difficult. And basically, how do you get involved at that requirements phase and and sort of communicate those requirements to the developers? And I think you nailed it spot on. You bring them in and you include them in the process so that way they see. Because the next time a product gets developed, then those people will say, oh, wait, we need the human factors people in here because they're going to consider all these other things that we didn't even look at. Yeah, I, I think that's it. Any any other thoughts on that one? That's a good question. Well, just to, yeah, I mean, just to continue your almost that line of the the bit that you ju just said there, which I thought was absolutely key, is it's easy to look at this as just one problem as one product, and I spend a lot of my time firefighting things that have gone wrong, um, and it, it often involves its communication breakdown, etc., etc., etc. But if you've got a really good team, then yes, the first time you do stuff will be difficult. And that's where us as human factors practitioners, we are often the glue that holds a lot of project or wider, bigger project teams together. And that's because we are more than happy to go and talk to three, four different teams and bring them, bring it together. But that's because the, the true value of that is actually not that product. It's the next one. And if, you're, if you've got the same sort of team working together and they then trust you, they've seen the way that you work, you're not taking them on a merry dance or anything like that. They know that you that what you're doing is not some uh, mystic science uh, or mystic art, sorry. It's actually, it is grounded in science and, and engineering practice. It's just a different viewpoint. Then they're more than happy to say, oh, actually, no, I've seen that Barry's done that. Um, yeah, we don't need to say it. We, we trust it. We'll go with it. We know where he's coming from. Um, and so it is, a, it's an education piece as, as much as anything else. Um, but you, it's just as much as... Uh, the actual hard engineering when um, often gets a lot more weight when it comes to um, requirements arguments because of people still don't understand necessarily what it is that we do. So it's up to us to be bigger and better. Evangelize always. Absolutely. All right. I think we have time for one more. So let's let's get into this next one here. This one's by Caleb Colorado uh, from the Human Factors subreddit. Again, both Human Factors subreddit tonight. I'm really happy about that. So this one is called Your Day in the Life. Uh, Caleb goes on to write, Hi, everyone. Human factors is a field I'm very interested in. But when specifically looking for information on a, what a day-to-day -day basis is like for someone working, there is little to none. 
For those currently working in the field, especially those in medical devices. Wow, lots of medical requests tonight. What is your day-to-day like? Thank you. Barry, I suspect that you and I will both have the same answer that's very different. Yeah, it's it's very much of the um it depends, isn't it? It's it's all I mean, I don't have the um and it, it's quite pertinent for us this week because we've taken on two new staffs and uh, two new members of staff and trying to explain what we do on a on a um you know day uh, day by day or even week by week basis. It just we are so I mean this is one of the things I think why we're so lucky to work in human factors because we have such an ability to stick our fingers into pretty much any sort of project that you that you can. Um I think on a structural thing, I tend to start off my day um, with some sort of drumbeat, uh, depending on the projects I'm working on. Um, certainly weekly at the moment, I have project drumbeats on a Monday and I have a team drumbeat on a Tuesday. Um, but then it can be design work, it can be developing presentations, it can be developing customer engagement strategies, it can be like we did today was a bit of a workshop on, on a potential future product and breaking that down, um, which was also a training event for, for the new staff members. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to do some... Um, university lecturing um as well as do um it's kind of a sneaky one i got conned into a meeting on the um um so i, I was got asked to go and attend a meeting and they said, oh by the way do you because you do human factors could you could come do a couple of human factors lectures at the uh, for this other department I like, well yeah, since I'm new, fair enough. yeah they did indeed um and then next week is completely different again so yes i i think it's um i think part of the beauty of what we do is saying what we do on a day-to-day basis is thankfully difficult yeah. What about you? What, what, do, what does your day look like? Uh, see creative process. Um, <laughs> t- take a stab at any one of those things that we talked about tonight. And I'm probably doing one of those. But again, it really depends on the context because I might be using a different tool on a different project depending on the needs of that thing. Right. So, yes, it's no day looks the same. I check emails every day when I get in. That's about it. Like I check emails and and uh, message messages mess, messages uh, every morning, so that's that's about the one consistent thing I have. <laughs> oh, I, I make the pot of, I make the pot of coffee when I get in. There you go. Yeah, I wake up. Um, that's that's consistent. Yeah. Uh, get in, look at emails and chats, and then it really does depend based on what the need of the project is. Right, I could be in the middle of. Uh, making products to go out and talk to users. I could be in the middle of analyzing that user feedback. But again, depending on the way in which we have defined the problem that we're trying to solve, the tools and the methods change from project to project. And so there's no real consistency. I might be doing one analysis on one thing that I've done in the past or a completely new analysis on the same thing that I'm trying out and talk about innovation on the show tonight, a lot of it is applying new processes, new procedures from other domains to the things that we're working on to establish that continuous improvement. And so it's always, it's always different. (laughs) It's always different. Okay. Uh, I think we don't have too much more time. So why don't we go ahead and get into this last part of the show? We like to call one more thing needs no introduction. Barry, what's your one more thing this week? So I'm going to cheat again and, and have two because the I've talked about climate a fair bit tonight. And one of the things that we did last week, which I was quite chuffed about, was for businesses, we just launched a climate ergonomics guide. And so this is real practical. Obviously, there's COP26 going on this week and um, the ability to 
we were getting loads of feedback from businesses and, and people basically saying that, yes, we want to do something around climate change, but we don't know how to do it. We don't know, you know, fundamentally, how do you take that first step? And so we produced a thing based on ergonomics um, or ergonomic principles, basically behavior change. Um, a bit of a guide to throw businesses to say, look, there you go. That's how you do it. So if you're interested in that, you can go and find that at climateergonomics.org. But in a more of the uh, more of an abstract thing, we did something last weekend that was just fantastic. We actually had a party. Uh, we had a Halloween party, which was the first time we've had a large group of more than, I think, six people together in our house um, or outside of our house. It was, it was in our garden, despite it being a tad cold. Um, but it was, you know, it was a large group of people that was together. We had a few drinks. We had a few more drinks. There was some, we had loads of, spent a lot of time putting the decorations up and there was music and it was just so nice, though slightly weird. Um, really weird, ha- right? Yeah, it was just so, it was, you know, because half it was just people from the office anyway. So it was, it was a work, half it was uh, work colleagues and that type of thing. So that it's people you see on a day-to-day basis anyway. But then there was a whole lot of friends that we haven't seen um, for for ages as well. And so to have them all in the one place um, was just, there, there was still that sort of slight anxiety of two disparate groups coming together where two we'd had this parts, party. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But we'd had this party. So we do, we, we do like the Halloween party, but we'd had it a, a, a while ago, um, obviously just pre-pandemic. And actually the groups meshed together and it was already good and all that sort of stuff. This was still socially awkward, um, slightly. Um, <laughs> you know, was just, there were, the, the, and I think there was just a slight reluctance there for people to um, to just um, to just mix and thing. And I think there's, there's sort of two or three contributing things to that. One is the fact that we've just got out the way of being sociable um, on a you know, with randomly, um, but also we're still nervous about the pandemic stuff, and you know, with the way things are going, quite rightly so. Um, but it was still just nice just to have a party. It was so hey Barry, fun. Barry, you, you know what the problem was? Um, it was the facilitator. There was, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I did my preparation though. We had lots of um, food and lots of alcohol and and covered areas because it was a bit cold. But but, I, but actually. You, uh, we sort of said that maybe we need to invite just maybe 10, 15 more people to stop uh, the allowing of, of the splitting. So, um, but it was quite cool for me because one group was sitting down quite a lot, one group was standing up quite a lot, so I could get my exercise going between the two. Fine. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, so my one more thing this week. Uh, I was very excited last we talked about the Pixel 6 Pro, yes. which is the new phone by Google. Uh, th- I talked last time about the experience buying it on the website. This time I'd like to talk about the experience of transferring from my old device to my new device. Uh, spoiler, I still haven't done it fully. It's bad, bad. It's really bad. Uh, and, and like from Android to Android, that's a fine transition from iPhone even to Android. It's probably fine. The problem that I'm having is I use a very specific launcher on my Android to customize to the way I like. You know, I, there's there's a dock at the bottom of Android that I like to be able to swipe left and swipe right. And all of my, like, I need to get to this fast apps are at the bottom because it's easily reachable by my thumb. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all categorized on these folders. And I can't really do that with Android. I need a specific launcher for it. Now, all my apps... Most of my data transferred, and that's fine. That's not the problem. That's that's not the problem. The problem is with this launcher, it didn't transfer all my settings, and so I have to go in and manually put where I'm used to all these things. 
there's a couple of things with Android that are a little nitpicky. Like I can't figure out how to change on the bottom. I usually have my back button on the right hand side. So that way I can reach it with my thumb. Yeah. Instead yeah. it's on, you know, the left hand side on Android 12, little couple nitpicky things. So with the UI, that's what's going on. But then there's also on top of that, this is an unlocked phone. This is the first unlocked phone that I got. And my wireless carrier, which has a V in it, I'll just say that uh, for anyone <laughs> in the States here, you probably know which one. There's this whole, uh, there's a lot of confusion about SIM cards. So ultimately what I did was I just pulled out this SIM card from my old phone, put it in my new phone. It was fine. But it was saying that you needed a digital SIM card and I needed to order one and it was trying to start a new line and I didn't want to start a new line. I just wanted to transfer it over to the new device. It was just really weird the whole way, the the way everything kind of worked. I was very frustrated. I submitted a ticket and I still haven't heard back, but it, my new phone's working. So oh, okay. I, I figured it out. It's just the whole experience was not great. And I was like, there has to be a better way. Um, and part of it's probably the launcher that I'm using. Probably half of it is the the other piece of it, the, the especially the transfer. That one's just weird to me. Anyway. You'd, you'd think sort of going between... I mean, nowadays, I mean, they, I'm I'm a an Apple user um, on the, on the phone front, and and actually, they've got quite good at doing yeah. that. Um, do you think that Android would be pretty much there? Because Android do tend to be a step ahead in terms of cool capabilities. Um, you would hope. So yeah, it's it's almost a bit disappointing to see that see that you're having such, and it must that must take a toll on your everyday mental health and 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 all that sort of stuff. So I hope you're writing all that down to to get your claim in. I certainly have. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to be it for today, everyone. If you liked this episode, go back and check out that other episode that we had on innovation. I think it was a couple of weeks back. I'm not sure which one it is. Anyway, comment wherever you're listening with what you think of the story this week. For a more in-depth discussion, you can always join us on our Slack or Discord communities. Visit our official website. Sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with all the latest Human Factors news. If you like what you hear, you want to support the show, there's a couple ways you can help support the show. One, you can do this right now. Leave us a five-star review. Wherever you're at, take just... 10 seconds, give us a five star. If you want to take a couple extra seconds to write down this show is awesome, you can do that too. Two, tell your friends about us. That's even better than a five star review because you're a voice that they trust. And we help build our audience by, you know, having people share it through word of mouth. Helps us grow. Three, if you're able to, consider supporting us on Patreon. Like I said, we're only two away from making this show fully self-sustainable. And as always, links to all of our socials and our website are in the description of this episode. Mr. Barry Kirby, thank you for being on the show today and helping me talk human factors. Where can our listeners go and find you if they want to talk about innovation? So you can find me on Twitter at Baz underscore K as well as on Facebook and LinkedIn, but also the 1202 Human Factors Podcast, which is at 1202podcast.com. Heard your most recent guest was charming. As for me, I've been your host, Nick Rome. You can find me streaming on Twitch every Monday for office hours and across social media at Nick underscore Rome. Thanks again for tuning into Human Factors Cast. Until next time. It depends. If you are hanging out with us, hang out with us just a little while longer. We're going to do a post show here. Cool. Dang. I feel, I feel more awake. Um, Good. It's now early than what I'm used to. Man, so I I gotta say, like, uh, we we went over an hour today, and that's fine. Uh, we it was a good show. It was a good show. I I really liked that show. It was awesome. I think I think we roasted that author. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
I think <laughs> we provided some constructive feedback for that. Yes. Yes, I think so. Um, so. So here's the problem with going over an hour is my post-production on uh, Inst- IGTV becomes a little bit more difficult. Now I have to cut out the Patreon commercial. Not a huge loss, whatever. The I cut out the intro by default now because I think it's better than watching 24 seconds of intro and then having us come in. It's just a start now. Anyway, I have to shave off little bits and pieces, and I think it might come in just under one hour if I do the right shavings. So, because we were still in beat, well, are we only two minutes over? Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we were like one and a half minutes over. So, I think, I think if I do shaving right, right, the Patreon commercial is exactly one minute, and the intro is 24 seconds. So, if I cut out the intro, I cut out the Patreon, now we're looking at six seconds I need to shave somewhere. I I'll usually just, just shave them at the end. I was say, just take no some, needs, like, some, yeah. some of my wittering out from somewhere. I'm sure <laughs> no one needs to hear us say it. Depends. Oh, um. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's like a key part. It is, but I'd rather the discussion be complete than the outro. Because <laughs> honestly, if you look at the graph of how many people listen to an episode till its entirety, once once I start saying that's it for today, everyone, it drops off. And oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh... The only the only instances, if you look at advanced analytics, you can tell that. But the only instances where that doesn't happen is when you have somebody new on the show. So the first episode that you were on, they listened through until you said where you were at. And then they dropped off when I said where I was at. I mean, there's still a huge drop off. Right. But it was it was more of a, a step. There's a yes. ladder. A, a yeah. I mean, I've certainly found that it's, the sweet spot for mine is is around 45 minutes to an hour. Have you looked um, at your average? I've, yeah, I go all the way from um, 20, I think my shortest one is 23 minutes. Um, that's because, anyway, yeah, have that you, was possibly the most horrific um, podcast I've done. Uh, have you done cross tabs on like uh, length versus listens to, no, to get no, that distribution? No, not yet. That's, so Ooh. I did that somewhere 100 episodes in, one hour is like coming in just under an hour. So when I, whenever I'm like, I try to keep it pretty rigid to that hour long schedule. Cause we've done okay. like a couple 50 minute ones. We've done a couple 40 minute ones cup did a couple where it was like an hour and 10 minutes. One hour is it. People yeah, look at 59, 45 and they're like, yeah, I could listen to that. Uh, that that's quite cool. The, yeah. Cause some of them I, I listen to. So some of the, um, like some of the podcasts, like Facebook podcasts and stuff that I, I listen to, um, because I listen to them on the way into work, so my um, journey to work is about uh, twenty minutes, and so I try and work out um, how many journeys am I going to get out of a podcast. Um, right, and then right. That, uh, so, I, most of if I can do forty-minute ones work for me, just because of the, um, I said just because that because that um, it, it's basically a, a day's journey. Um, but yeah, for me, they I've sort of had really good um, feedback that the you know the the um, Anything above between half an hour and an hour is is kind of is good. If I go over an hour, I I, I get a, a lot of drop off and I get I get some complaints. But um, as in from my wife about not being able to listen to it. Um, so actually, she she admitted to me the other day that she barely listens to my podcast. I mean, how rude oh, no. is that? Um, you know what? I uh, my my wife has never listened to a full episode all the way through. So. 
I, th- I, th- I think I, I think we need to show more commitment. <laughs> um, have you had have you had your wife on as a, a, a guest on the podcast? I've not. No, she, not. she she's not into it. <laughs> well, I'm trying to talk Amanda into do because she started to do a human factors masters. Then I kind of would want to do um, a bunch of interviews at the say at the end of the, f- the first term, the second term, the third term because she's doing it uh, business learning, so it's going to take her three years to do. But I kind of want to do a um, you know what have you learned? This sort of thing. How do you feel about it? And all that sort of almost like a, a, a separate series, a, a special series, or that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm slowly talking around to it. Oh. Uh, but the conversations that we have now, we we. You know, normally, you, you talk about like you know the kids going out, what the kids doing, all that sort of stuff. Now we have scintillating conversations about NASA TLX and the various merits of um, <laughs> of, of heart and burp and 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 other sa- uh, other safety measurements and um, and that type of thing. Um, Nothing gets me more in the mood than talking about NASA TLX and the merits of of using that evaluation. Well, you, you, you talk about getting in the mood. We had to have some um, some playtime. Where we uh, we together we we went through the process and and I got to, to complete an assessment, um, just the two of us wow. on, the on, the, on the desk. We we did wow. NASA TLX together. Um, that's, that's how we roll. I gotta put like a, a steamy warning here. I was gonna Ooh. say that you, you just lost your clean rating. Right. So, um, I mean, this used to be a family show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I so I um. I'm looking for where I found that analysis because I just plugged it into a tool to see. Hey, you know, it might have been my, it might have been my SoundCloud stats that I was looking at uh, for episode length by, um, or, or plays by length. And I because I get my stats through some my host is uh, Blueberry and I get they do actually some pretty decent stats. Oh, they you know, do so, great stats. Um, just as you know, I'm, if I've just because I did so many um, podcast recording last month, I had to slightly up my um, my subscription because you know, I'm just getting so popular. Yeah, but I like I like their geographic breakdown of where people are listening from. Yeah, um, I have that too. I, I think I so in our lab a little bit behind the scenes here in our lab in Discord we I I will post little fun facts every now and then about uh, the show right so like little milestones here or there one of them I actually sat down and looked at how many countries we were visible in and I think it's over fifty or something like that I think I put an exact number I don't remember yeah I think you're right because I I was going to put in a sarcastic comment and because um, I could because I'm looking now I've got sixty six. Oh, so you, yeah, wow! Yeah. Look at you. You're you're more worldwide. Yeah, but then we are going to, um, and I don't know whether this is people tunneling or whatever. But Macau, Indonesia, Honduras, uh, Moldova, um, Algeria, Vietnam. One, but these are all just one one listener in each of these places: Kuwait, Japan, Qatar, Mali. Uh, yeah, but but here here's the thing about Qatar. Have you have you charted in technology? In Qatar, because we 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 hit the top two fifties. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know where to find that information out. But, uh, I use Chartable. Um, oh, I think I have I had to play with that before. Um, yeah. yeah, the um, one thing I will say about podcasting, and I feel like we've talked shop a lot, so maybe we'll you know can it after this. But one <laughs> one thing that I've um, I'm the word i'm looking for 
uh, sort of disappointed with is the the lack of traceability. So they don't. I mean, it's really hard to track who's listening to your show and when people drop off. So like the best thing I have for that is like the Apple stuff, because that's probably where, I don't know, two thirds, well, not two thirds, a, a third of our listeners come from. And so, you know, we, we have to, we have to look at that. Oh, shoot. Look at that. Top. We're number 160 in Russia for technology. Cool. That's down uh, 57. That's, cool. that's down 57 slots. So we used to be 103. Wow. Look at that. We are global, all podcasts for uh, uh, 6,091. Top 6,100 podcasts. Look at that. Actually, I'm just, yeah, I'm. I'm 132 in the UK for social sciences. Ooh. Um, but no, that's down 22. Oh, and in Apple, the United States of America for social sciences, I'm out. Oh, I'm off it. That's oh no. Should be more more for that anyway. In, these these are always the fun ones for me. Is the all podcasts? So in Brazil, we are number 1,708. In USA. We're 5,231. You think about all the podcasts out there. That's not bad. That, that's really good going. I'll take that. It's, um, yeah, because I mean, it has become such a deal now, hasn't it? The, um, because actually, it is, get a podcast out there now, um, just basic run of the build podcast is fairly easy to do. Um, the, you know, if you, it's only, I think, when you get into doing what we're doing, you suddenly realize that there's shiny bits of kit you can buy. But it's suddenly the, the the expense thing starts to ramp up. But you can do it quite cheaply through just yeah. using a phone and, and that sort of stuff, which makes it truly accessible. But you're right, that whole, once you get your head around the fact that actually, you know, Apple and TuneIn and all them different things, they're only just directories. They don't, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, you, you host on Apple and things like that, and it, it's just not true. Um, that actually you know, nobody truly knows exactly who's listening to what because of the way that it's all streamed and stuff. Um, so when people sort of say, you know, oh, how many listeners you've got? I've got no idea. Um, I've got a rough idea. But, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's, um, it's it's not helpful. And even, um, yeah, even that's like, you know, is, what is it? 30, is it 30 day listens for yes, the average 30 day like listens? Yeah, even that's not, I mean, <sighs> For, for us, because we're a multimodal podcast, we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube, and we're not sure where people are watching. We have metrics about all those, but there's no consolidated piece for me to look at and say, oh, yeah. You know, and, and the other thing about that is that, you know, those views on the video platform take away from the charts, and yeah. I have no problem with that because, again, we're trying to make it where where people are, right? And it's it's to me, charts doesn't matter. It's the audience that we build. Um, that's true. I mean, again, I'm going to do this lecture tomorrow, and part of the one of the slides I want to change that I'm going, I'm going to use is basically because I am the number one human factors uh, podcast in the UK. 
because I'm the only human factors podcast in the UK. So, yeah, we used we used that for a while too. We used we're we're the number one human factors podcast. I'd like I I'd, I'd be curious to see how we chart up against each other. Um, well, didn't we? There's been a couple of things, hasn't there, where some people have done these curated lists. Um, yeah. Because there's you you appear in most of them, but there was that one though where I appeared number one, and you appeared number three, and I was like, yeah, I like that one. That's a <laughs> one. <laughs> was that uh, a ranked list? I don't know. <laughs> well, I I they say it was, but I was like, I, I clearly you made that up. Um, See, it's it's because you distinguish yours as the Human Factors podcast. It's the only one, possibly. Well, it's, it's <laughs> true. In that the I'm the I'm the only person on who's doing what I do in the way that I do it, sort of. Um, no, it, it it is just quite interesting, isn't it? Seeing how because there are you know we've I think we've talk, talked about this on on um, previous post shows where you know there are lots of other people doing sort of human factors or ergonomics or um, social sciences or psychology, and there's things that we should be trying to pull together, um, yeah. you know, because we're sort of on the same vein and. Um, and we could be sharing, you know, um, you know, we've got quite good part. You know, I've been on here, you've been on my show, and uh, we've probably, you know, practically bought each other sofas and things like that. Um, you know, these there's other shows that we could be um, that could be doing this sort of way as well. Um, yeah. Like that's that's yeah. one thing I want to do is like reach out to other podcasts and see if they want to come on and and do this kind of guest panelist type of thing because. You know, they, they're they're the best people for it. They already have podcasts and they know the material from a certain point of view. Mm. And so it'd be a good conversation, I think. Right. And there's that's why I, I quite like doing the whole, um, you know, and that's why I sort of tell them when podcasts collide. Um, yeah. Because you can get other people on because they sort of say, you know, it's not trying to say one is better than the other. But you because we all do things in a different way. We've all got um, a different style or a different take or a um a different view on it and um and that's what makes each one of them unique in their own way um yeah i i like i don't know i i get why some people get competitive about their space i get it especially if there's money involved but like i don't know it's it's just nice to be in a community where like you and i can just chat and i don't i feel no pressure about like you know, trying to steal your audience away from you because I, I I truly believe that if you were to look at a, a Venn diagram of our audiences, they're probably like uh, you can't see, but not quite right on top of each other, but like maybe half overlapping. Well, you kind of hope so again because the um, again, if you go to mine and listen to where the, the sort of approach you want you wanted to take with this, you know, you you've very much gone down the you know, um, weekly news, really current topical issues, and 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 that type of thing. You you've got, you've got this quite um, quite strong format in that respect. Um, and I've sort of gone down the other route of people, you know, who's um, who are playing either new new and upcoming people, or um, you know, people have been around for a long time, have done lots of interesting things, or you know, got something to say, or or, th or things like that. So more that interview approach. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, the the two formats are they're not they're non-competitive um, because they're two completely different views. So you'd like to think that you know people will be hanging into this um, every week because also you're much better at doing a rate uh, being very much more regular than me. Um, I tend to go, I tend to get very keen and do I try and do a fort, uh, fortnightly thing 
Um, sometimes that might be monthly um, or over like, like it was this summer. There was a couple of months I did nothing at all. Um, but then you sort of get inspired again and, and crack on. So, um, but you just like to think that there's there's other ones that other people could do that we could pull into a um, and sort of throw out there. So go and listen to them if you want to know more about you know, yeah. Um, well, whatever. Yeah, we need That's, we need uh, to get that uh, that effort off the ground. I've just been. I'm sure you have too. Just been so slammed with. Yes, it, it's, and I think this is for me. Certainly now we're taking on uh, new team members and stuff. You know, the end of year is looking very close, even though it's still like sort of yeah, halfway. Right. It's like I don't have you know, time. Is just is just mad. Um, I yeah, yeah. But um, maybe that's the venture for the new year um, to to make that sort of thing work and, and to reach out and stuff. Yeah, but I think so. that's a good goal. So, next year said which, yeah well, uh, I, just, I said the new year i didn't say which new year <laughs> yeah exactly i, I said next year <laughs> but, uh, oh but I've, I've i've ordered something else too because of course i, I use the um i like i now like the, the the new logo that we've got so i've got something coming and i think it's it is coming in from the states but um oh. so in one, in one of the future episodes with the camera you'll notice a change in my background and it's gonna be cool. Oh, did you? I'm not gonna tell screen? you. No, no, I haven't got green screen. Oh, um, this is way cooler than green screen. Oh, uh, but you'll it's it's being crafted. I put the order in today. It's been crafted as we speak, and I think it's about three weeks time. I'll get it. Ooh, and, dang. Um, it's gonna be cool. I'm very excited. My wife doesn't know about it yet. Um, oh, it wasn't cheap. <laughs> Yikes! But, um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll that that's a that's a teaser for just for people to keep an eye out in the uh, in in my background for the um, the next few weeks until like until it arrives. Speaking of things coming from overseas, um, I meant to sh- <laughs> I meant to show you this. So uh, I, I got your gift. Oh, cool! Um, <laughs> oh, Is that happening in transit? No, didn't didn't do so great. I got to super glue it together. Um, I've been meaning to, but uh, the the handles in four pieces. Well, it, that's that's good compact packing. Then <laughs> I I shall tell Joe who packed it that she did an abysmal job and get fired. <laughs> so it's a thought that oh, counts. Man. It is the thought. I I am yeah. I I am very thankful that you have sent this my way, and um, it's got the old logo though. Well, yeah. As soon as I said it, then obviously we rebranded to it's like, okay, I'm gonna have to send him another one now when we get when we get some new merch. Um, Hang on, I'll, I'll super glue this while we're talking, and we'll see if I can get a proper. Uh, uh, a really, proper I don't have any by the end of this. We were um, we we debating about what sort of um, merch we should get now because a whether we want to um, sell and distribute merch um, and things like that and. But I kind of think I need like um, either a T-shirt or a hoodie or something like that. Um, yeah, go go the partnership route. Personally, um, it's so nice to have somebody else handle that stuff for you. Uh, yes, I just like I can't imagine. Like we don't sell much, but when we do, it's like I, there's all, you're already handling so much that it's like yeah, make somebody else play with it. Yeah, it's um because we get um obviously the the various bits for the business and stuff like that so getting extra bits like this is relatively easy um, uh, okay yeah, so, so you already have the channels well to, to get stuff produced yes um yeah. if, if 
you know, to actually do, we've never sold this sort of stuff before. Um, I don't even, we sort of, I got it as sort of giveaways more than anything else. Um, yeah. But, uh, that's something we should do over here is do a giveaway. Maybe, maybe once this is completely out of, out of, no longer in pocket, no longer out of pocket, um, we'll do some giveaways with yes. merch. So, well, there's a good um, encouragement for people to sign on, yeah. on as, uh, as, as patrons. Um, so then we, we could, you could do more. Oh, you, you could see, you could almost do like the, uh, oh, how cool would it be to sort of try and link up with some, um, you know, like the, there's like YouTube, particularly YouTubers out in the States who are doing a lot of like the metal work and woodwork and stuff too. Do oh yeah, you can do, do. Get, get them to do like some carved logos or things like that. Um, That'd be kind of cool. So I'm following a, a guy at the moment. I can't remember the name of his um, his YouTube channel, but he does lots of really heavy sort of woodwork and that type of thing, and lots of epoxy um, epoxy tables and stuff. And mm. I'm just like, could you imagine just like a big human factors cast table um, with it like epoxy residin logos and and all that sort of stuff. That would be neat. That'd be really cool. Um, I'm just going to see if I can find his, his thing because it's actually really cool. Uh, yeah, I'm curious who you're watching on YouTube that's doing woodworking. Um, I watch quite a few woodworkers on YouTube. Wonder if so, there's some overlap there. If there, if there isn't, I'd be disappointed. Um, yeah. Uh, wow, all I'm getting is my own stream. That's really weird. I'm still doing that. Um, my subscriptions. Oh, it's in alphabetical lineup. That's not good. Uh, oh, okay. Alex, uh, Muse. Oh, uh, that's the one. Alex Steele? No. Oh no, I, I do Alex Steele as well. He's, he's yeah. very good. He's over in yeah. the UK. Um, John Malachi. Um, oh, John Malachi. So, okay, I, I that name sounds familiar. So. Um, John the Builder. Apparently, he used to be a football player or something, um, hmm. and has transitioned to doing this. Um, but he's really good at the way he sort of um, he he puts his stuff together. So that that's quite cool. Um, Do you watch any uh, Colin Furs? Yes. Uh, well, I saying that I used to. Um, oh my gosh he he's done he's done a basement or uh, like a underground tunnel series. Yes. Oh yeah. my god, it's so cool. It is, a, and I saw when he built his shed and, and the underground chamber and that initially and stuff. That that was really cool, um, and a lot of his early stuff I think was really clever, especially when he did the the upside down swing in his garden. That's oh, like yeah. sort of a million foot in the air or whatever it is. And he said he said so. I kind of feel though that he's kind of got a bit um, a bit commercial. Um, yeah, yeah. He's, he's lost that um, lost that kind of sheeny bit. So, um, but there's some weeks are more obnoxious than others, but yeah. Um, but it's still really good fun to watch to see him build up his his projects and some of his Star Wars stuff as well. So when he built the Atat and um, oh, yeah. the, the speeder, not sort of the speeder. Uh, so yeah, because I haven't I haven't finished watching the speeder one yet. Oh yeah, um, that's so that those those Star Wars projects are how I found him. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you'd like my um, my friend has got an entire room in his house dedicated to his Star Wars. Um, Fetish, craving, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's got everything from Lego to he's got some like real um, high-end, um, like rare, rare tickets and things like that of, of all of his stuff. Is um, he, he's he's very much the super fan. So there's a, there's a couple YouTube channels that I like to plug uh, with respect to Star Wars builders because there's uh, there's James Cully. 
he's over there too. He does uh, James Coley, uh, Brian Thompson, the Smuggler's Room. Um, James Kelly goes by Rebel Base Build. There's a couple really good builders that um, have basically made entire Star Wars rooms. Like they are, they like okay. like they're in the universe. So, like, you That's know, deep. Brian yeah. Thompson's, you know, transforming his entire basement into a Corellian fighter or freighter, Corellian freighter. So, like, okay. you you walk in and it's, you know, there's a Falcon bench and there's like those wall paneling details that you would find on a ship and it's so cool and i want to do the same so that's, that's one of the criteria when we're looking for a home is to have enough space to do something like that that will then ultimately become my office but just as it just as a i mean that sort of thing is going to be i mean i would like love to have had the sort of space i mean i guess we could do it but to like have a um some sort of flight sim or that yeah sort of thing. So yeah that, all that's that something would be really cool but um, I don't. I think it'd be one of these things. I'd use it for maybe a bit, and then it would just sit there and, and gather dust. But I think what you're talking about having a, a room in a theme, we saw the different bits, but it's still a practically usable room. Yeah, um, would be a um, a much better thing. Um, yeah, I I want a flight sim too. That's that's more of a game room, you know, that that can be converted into a flight sim. Ah, oh, that's the dream. That's the dream. Yes, um, with all the free time we have. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, I think that would be, jeez. Uh, yeah. Well, I th I think uh, I have done an okay job. Let me just here's here's the reveal. Are you ready? Ooh, um, excited. I am going to hold it by the most broken piece, so we'll see if it sticks. But oh, check you out! It, it works. It's all right now, but you can see there's definitely there's definitely well, some there's, battle there's, damage. There's, there's chippage. Oh it looks yeah. Huge. So it looks like it's it's. It's comfortable in your home. Um, you've, cha you've changed your URL too, and it's no longer. Yes, so it's complete. In fact, I've, you, that makes the, all the mugs that I've got left completely irrelevant. I could send you another one because it's completely, <laughs> completely not worth it. Um, I don't know how many I've got left. Um, uh, that just means this is a collector's. Uh, it's, 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 it's a rare item. Um, so yeah, you should you need to treasure that and yeah, I, um, yeah, it's and not break it anymore. No. Yeah, I, I, see. I'm assuming that you just you got it as soon as you got it. You just sort of said, "Well, I just can't stand his podcast. I'm just going to throw it on the floor." Ah, this it. guy again. He's sending me mugs. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I've heard about you before. So. <laughs> Terrible to work with. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, if you've been hanging out with us, thank you for watching. Um, it was a cool episode tonight. Uh, we'll have it live tomorrow at some point. I mean, maybe tonight for you tomorrow today. It's today now, yeah. right? It is, yes. Yeah. So I'll leave you to go and do some editing and see if you can bring back that woman at 22 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for watching, everybody. Uh, we will see you next week with potentially another panelist. Um, we'll see We'll see if Barry wants to do the, the moonlighting again, because I think it will be once again at midnight your time. We'll see. Uh, cool. we'll, uh, we'll see what the plan is for next week, but we'll be here. Okay. See you soon. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a good night.